0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the prepared by fire podcast. This is episode number eight. So today I'm super, super stoked. Like I always say, my guests are amazing. And um, this man has uh, changed my, my life. He has uh, been a mentor of mine and uh, he's believed in me when, when I hardly believed in myself. And a lot of people wrote me off. So um, I want to welcome division chief Tim Moody. He's a 26 year old veteran, 26 year veteran with Marion County Fire Rescue. He, uh, Currently holds the rank of division chief on B shift, um, he's a part. He's a member of Task Force Eight, Florida Smoke Diver, and um, he's been a, a long time instructor and, and has poured into individuals that, that the fire service has had. And uh, he, he really believes that everybody is leading someone, and it's us to uh, it's up to us to lead everybody well. So, Tim, welcome on. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, bro. Yeah, so I'm really excited for this this episode because I get to. Uh, interview one of my mentors and and that's amazing so I want to dive into the the first thing that I feel you'll, you'll bring these guests and the most value and that's leadership what what is your what is your take on leadership and how has it transformed over your career uh,
1: so you know early in my career I didn't really think much about leadership you know you go to the station you hang out and you do the things that that you know you that you're told to do but you don't really or I didn't really take an active role in it. I guess I should say, uh, even when I promoted to lieutenant, like I knew I was in charge of this crew, but like the actual leadership as a as a concept really didn't hit me until uh, until I'd been a lieutenant for a few years. And uh, now looking back, I realized what a crucial role the leaders, the people who were actually leading well in my life, had been. So uh, I think it's a uh, invaluable thing. I think it's it's the the leadership that an organization has or doesn't have is going to be the success or the failure of, of that organization. And I've got friends that are outside the fire department that are in other industries. And it's the same with them. They, you know, their, their business fails or, uh, or succeeds based off of their leadership.
0: So what is, what is your definition
1: of leadership? Ah, uh, definition of leadership. That's a, uh, it's, that's a broad topic. So, but I, um, what I really think it is, is it's helping people achieve things that they didn't think they could help, they could achieve on their own.
0: How, and you know, how, does that, that, how does that start with you?
1: So one of my, one of my mentors, uh, Bobby Ramage, uh, he's a, a deputy chief down in the villages uh, fire rescue now. Um, but he was a battalion chief with us and he was the one that really, um, that got me going, that got me started down that path. You know, he, he was uh, kind of like you were saying in the, in the intro, he was the one that believed in me when I wasn't even so sure myself that I was doing the right thing. Um, so he he kind of, it was his example, his personal example, just the way he carried himself, the way uh, the way he acted, the way he would jump in and help, like all those things. Like I, I watched him do those things. And when I got finally got to a, a realization that, hey, I need to step up and be a leader, he was my go-to guy that I, I said, "Okay, this is the guy I want to be like." And I took something from a lot of different people, right. but he was probably the main player in it.
0: He was the initial, "I want to be like that guy.
1: Right. Right. And uh, you know when I started in the fire department, like I, didn't, I didn't plan on being, you know, leadership wasn't, like I said, it wasn't really on my radar. Being a, uh, a chief officer or you know way high up in the ranks wasn't really on my radar. Like I just wanted to show up to work and be a good fireman. Right. And uh, and it's being around people that are setting a great example is is what kind of changed my mind on some of that stuff.
0: Yeah, so I want to roll into your, your upbringing. You were obviously raised uh, in, in my eyes uh, amazingly. I mean, the your, your your mom and dad fucking did a phenomenal job, and that's you know let's talk about people who don't have that upbringing and how to seek people that you do want to be like and, and seek the mentorship. Um, you know, your upbringing, what was that standard? I know it was very high. It wasn't a slouch standard. There wasn't much room for nonsense.
1: Um, so let's talk about that. Sure. So, uh, so I was raised in um, uh, a household where, you know, you say yes, ma'am and no ma'am and yes, sir. and No, sir. I mean, uh, you know, you cleaned your room, you helped out around the house. You did those kind of things. Um, I don't, you know, by no means was it like a perfect upbringing and and, um, uh, you know, people that that face difficulties, you know, sometimes will they'll look at somebody else and they'll say, oh, well, if they had had it as hard as I had it, you know, then they would be different. But I, I don't think that's the case, because, you know, one of the things I don't talk a lot about is that uh, in my early teens, actually preteens, uh, my my biological father basically bailed on us, you know, and took off. And I, I just I don't talk about that a whole lot. Um, but you know that was hard. You know, as a kid, you're like, "What did we do? What did I do? You know, what what's uh, uh, what can I do to fix this?" Now, fortunately, uh, my mother remarried, and uh, the the guy who I call dad is actually my stepdad, and he was an amazing guy, uh, absolutely unbelievable um, family man. You know, he was he's he's the guy that taught me to be a man. Like this is what men do, and this is how you take care of your family, and this is how you. Uh, how you provide, and and that's uh, so. He was uh, from a family standpoint. He was my first mentor, basically.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I love it. And you know, I, I think people that were raised right were raised with uh, expectations. Um, sure. You know, I think uh, when you were raised with expectations, when you grow up into an adult, you now have expectations for yourself how your life is supposed to be and what your future holds. Right. The expectation of where I want to be what I want to do, who I want to be with, and the people I want to surround myself with. And the people that don't have expectations growing up, um, it's its a shock when you become an adult because now you're just floating around, you know, and, and it's it's super unfortunate. And anybody listening to this that is lost, that doesn't really know their way. Because the audience for this podcast is very broad. It's from new firefighters, veteran firefighters, firefighters in training. And not everybody... Has those people that guide them has those mentors that are like, hey, this is how it's supposed to be. This is what you should do. These are the mistakes I made, and this is what you need to do to avoid those things and for your trajectory to be a lot farther than mine. Um, and I think people that don't have that, the, the first thing I would I would recommend is first and foremost, you know, set set goals for yourself and don't let anybody or anything compromise those goals. Um, what What advice would you give to people who don't have that? role model or that, that person. Uh,
1: So your description of floating around in life, like that's, that's a great description because that's what happens if you don't have a goal. It's like a, it's like a ship lost at sea. You know, if you don't have a a port that you're heading to, then you're just, you're literally just floating around. So uh, I like that description of it. Um, But yeah, as far as mentors, like if you don't have somebody in your life that's stepping up and do that, seek them out, you know, go, go seek out a mentor. There's somebody in your life, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, uh, a friend's dad—you know, whoever it is—you know, like seek that person out and, and talk, sit down and talk to them. Because if if they're the kind of person you believe they are, they'll be more than happy to sit down with you and talk to you and help coach you through th- things. Um, I think uh, taking an active role so you're not floating around and and finding a mentor is important too. Because you know some some people don't realize like, hey, this guy needs a mentor because he doesn't have anybody else in his life. Right. Yeah.
0: And and it's it's funny how the driven people always are are up and up and coming to to find people that they want to be like want to be better than and they're like hey like help me what, what do you think you know or, you know would you mind you know guiding me along along the way um and i think the people that aren't as aggressive kind of feel that it, it you're, you're putting a burden on somebody or that you know they don't really care and what i've come to realize is is the, the greatest people in the world want to help everybody else become great, right? They're not just yeah. selfishly like, oh, on this path of, of wanting to be a great officer, a great firefighter, a great chief, a great person, man, woman, doesn't matter. Um, I believe that those people, their ultimate calling is to help others become great, right? Like they invested in themselves. Okay, now what can I do to help other people? So, um, so from here, I want to talk about how do, how do you go from, basically high school to, you know, we really talk about the the Marines and then into the fire service. How how was your transition and what, what made you, what's, what told you like,
1: I I want to be a fireman. So uh, honestly it was, you know, when I was a little kid, I was, you know, you see the fire trucks go down the road and you're like, man, that's awesome. And you go to the firehouse on a, uh, on a field trip or whatever. And it was just cool to hang out with those guys. Um, And then I kind of, got out of touch with that a little bit and started thinking, Oh, maybe I'll do this or that. I was thinking some other things, you know, to do in life. Um, I actually went to college a little while to be, uh, a, a, an athletic trainer, um, realized that wasn't really for me because they just stand on the sidelines and watch the athletes work. They don't really get to go out and do a whole lot. So I realized I wanted something more, uh, where I was more involved in the action. Um, I was actually working as a lifeguard part-time at, at the water park. Uh, and, um, the guys in the office that we would go in, the, the medics that were in the office, I talked to those guys and they were always super cool and come to find out they were all firefighters. They were just doing this as their part-time job. Uh, David Tozo, I don't know if you remember him, but uh, he, was one of, uh, he was one of the guys there and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, this is my part-time job. I'm a firefighter full-time. And I was like, man, that's awesome. It's like, you should come by the firehouse. So I went down to the firehouse one day, hung out with him. I was like, man, this is awesome. And so I got into the volunteer class that Marion County was putting on at the time became a firefighter, and uh, the rest is kind of history on that.
0: Um, how old were you when this, when this all happened?
1: I was twenty, I think, when I started. Okay, uh, heading down that path, you know, into the volunteer part, and all. Uh, I would think I was in my in my twenties, maybe twenty-one. I don't, I'm not, I can't remember exactly. But
0: now I know this is. Uh, I don't know if it's a subject subject, but when did you enter? When did you go to the Marines boot camp? Was that before or after?
1: So that was after I actually started with the fire department. i have been with the fire department a couple of years, and uh, then September 11th happened. And um, like like a lot of people, uh, I wasn't special in that aspect. There was a lot of people that uh, went down to the recruiter the day after, and so uh, actually the recruiter's office was packed the day after. Um, but went down there, talked to him. I was already set on the Marine Corps. Uh, my uh, my stepdad, or like I said, the guy I called Dad. He was he was in the Marines, and he always told me uh, he had uh, got drafted into Vietnam. And he'd always told me it was the best and the worst thing that ever happened to him. You know, it was the best. The Marine Corps was the best thing that ever happened. He loved it. Uh, he really enjoyed it. He, he said he did not like being in Vietnam, though. So he didn't really care for being shot at too much. But um, but yeah, and like I said, he was such a great man. I'm like, well, I want to be like him. So I joined the Marine Corps. That's
0: awesome. So you go to the Marines. You are how old? 20, 21?
1: Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. 20, 24. You- Actually, I think I turned 25 in boot camp.
0: Okay. Did you think before you got there... What was your thought process like? Did you think, because I know you're an alpha dude. Did you think you were tough? Did you think like, what was your mindset going into that?
1: I'd already had a lot of heads up from dad and uh, uh, from some buddies (laughs) that had been in. So I already kind of had a heads up, like, you know, uh, just keep your head down, do what they tell you to do. Do it fast and and try and stay out of trouble, uh, which that doesn't matter. They find you, you know, when you're in boot camp, they'll they'll find you, you know, everybody gets theirs.
0: Um, And how was it? How was your experience?
1: Uh, it was great. Uh, honestly, the, the Marine Corps taught me a lot about leadership, it uh, taught me a lot about uh, physical fitness, about um, being able to do things, even when you're fatigued, even when you're tired, you know, when you're sleep deprived, like you can still push, uh, push beyond. So I learned a lot in the Marine Corps.
0: Yeah. And we're, was it hard for you or was it? it was. Oh, yeah.
1: No, it's, I think it's hard for everybody at some at some point. I mean, you miss family or you know, you're like, man, I'm, I'm hungry. I wish I could get a little bit more chow or whatever, like in, in talking about in the boot camp aspect of it. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, uh, um, for me, I would say it was hard. I would say everybody has their their issues. Um, but there again, you know, people that have had a hard life and had a rough upbringing and, you know, wasn't sure where the next meal was coming from. The Marine Corps was probably a great thing or any boot camp for that matter, because, you know, the next meal is coming real soon. So it's, uh, or you're going to get a certain amount of sleep or whatever the case. So again, I uh, everybody's experience is different.
0: Yeah. And what was the standard day one when you got there?
1: So, I, I mean, you follow the rules and, and they, you know, when you. Uh, so, again, boot camp specific, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about once, you know, once you're out of that, but um, but they you know, you, you do everything the same as a team. Um, that's why they shave your head. That's why they take all your, all your possessions. They take everything, uh, you know, and they give you, these are the underwear you're going to wear. These are the pants you're going to wear. This is the, uh, the blouse you're going to wear. I mean, like they give you everything because you're, you're now part of a team. You're not an individual anymore. You you are part of this team and this team is going to succeed or this team is going to fail. You know, that's, it's, it's up to you guys working together.
0: That's awesome. And what was, did you come into that with that same mindset or did you kind of adopt that team mindset
1: because it was just drilled in your fucking skull from like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You had, everybody adopts it at some point. But <laughs> uh, For me, I, I always enjoyed team sports. I was always the team sport player. Like, so, uh, um, for me, it was kind of easy. I would say people that, um, uh, uh, people that uh, that are like individ- play individual sports and stuff like that. It might have been a little bit tougher to kind of get used to that. Like my my son is a is a individual sport player. You know, he does jujitsu and wrestling and uh, things like that. But then when he found volleyball, like all of a sudden he figured out the team aspect of it. So right, so he yeah. plays competitive volleyball now. So,
0: so what exactly happens? You, you you got out of um, basic
1: training. You got out of boot mm-hmm. camp, and then you went out to the fleet. And then well, what what happened? So. Uh, so I, I was I joined up I signed up I was in the reserves, um, uh, went checked in at my unit in Jacksonville, uh, and then um, at that point that unit wasn't activated or anything. So uh, you know it was just doing this normal drill stuff. So I went back to the fire department and went back to work and I was just waiting for them to, to call us up.
0: Okay, and then so you 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 get called and you do you start training in San Diego, right? You went you went on mm-hmm. to college. and yep. um, what? Basically what I want to get that is, what, what stopped you from completing your, your time in the
1: morning. Oh, Okay. I got you. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So what happened with me is, uh, got out to, uh, we got out back out to camp Pendleton where, where, where I had done my school. My, my MOS was, uh, uh, amphibious assault. So it would tracks, you know, um, amphibious tractors. So got out there, started doing that, started doing some training. I actually, uh, fell off of the, um, The tractor, it it got moved while I was up on top of it doing some work, uh, fell off of it, injured my back. Um, Struggled for quite a while trying to make it through, but I was really slowing down everybody else at everything else because they were trying to help me drag my weight, too. So I got taken to the hospital. Uh, They said, hey, sorry, you can't deploy. And that that was hard. So, yeah, so everybody else deployed and I did not get to. uh, Came home. I uh, started seeing my personal physician, ended up having to have surgery, got, um, was in kind of limbo for a couple years between, you know, uh, after I had the surgery, whether the Marine Corps wanted to keep me or not. And then finally they discharged me out because, uh, there were so many people flooding in at that time, you know, that was early in the war. Uh, there were so many people flooding in to, at that point and they didn't need somebody that was, uh, uh, that had had surgery and had rods in their back that ever kind of, you know, basically kind of compromised a little bit. So, um, uh, that was actually devastating to me, you know, because again, being a team player, being a, uh, in the team sports, when you see the team going on, you know, uh, and going out and being part of the, uh, the bigger picture and you're sitting on the sidelines again, like that, that crushed me. That started me down a pretty dark path for a while.
0: Yeah. So I can only imagine you come back, you're fucking crushed. Like you, you wanted to serve the country. You wanted to deploy and, and fight against, you know, what had just happened on, mm-hmm. on our soil. And um, that's taken from. You. And I mean, as far as becoming a firefighter, you need a healthy body. Um, mm-hmm. that's that's probably more taxing, I think, from the standpoint of operating as a firefighter than in the military, just because you're wearing an air pack, you're wearing bunker gear, your range of motion is restricted. Um, so how did you how did you get through that dark that dark point in in, in your life and say, I'm not gonna let this affect me. It's not gonna Deter me from being a great firefighter, obviously coming up in the ranks as a great lieutenant, now a great chief, because that could have, you could have went the other way and just your life could have been nothing. Um, just blaming it on the injury where most people do let that cop out, let that obstacle ruin them. How how did you stay above floating? What did you, what was your mindset?
1: So I didn't, uh, I didn't, I wasn't floating very well initially. Um, I was kind of sinking. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I did like a lot of firefighters do. And, you know, cause I was struggling back at work. I was, uh, I felt like I was compromised, you know, once, even once after the surgery, trying to get back healthy again, all that stuff. So, uh, I did unfortunately what a lot of firefighters do and I, I started drinking too much. Um, I was, uh, not taking care of myself. I was not being intentional uh, in my marriage and trying to, uh, be a good team player in my marriage. Uh, I, I got a little self-centered, actually I got a lot self-centered, and was uh only kind of looking out for me and um, man that's uh it, it was a pretty dark time in my life um just trying to get back and but you know you asked what i did and I, I i have to give credit to my wife mary it was uh it was her doing you know her keeping me going keeping me moving forward um you know and eventually i don't know exactly what it was but eventually i realized like hey i've been ruining a lot of things in my life that are really good you know, I've been, I've been uh, not being an intentional husband. I've been not being an intentional father. I've been uh, not being intentionally uh, specific with my career. You know, I just like, again, back to that floating around kind of thing we were talking about. I was doing a lot of that. And finally I said, I'm I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to, you know, either I need to step out of the picture completely or I need to be better at all these things. So.
0: Right. That's, that's amazing. So it's, it, it, I want everybody to understand that it's, it's that simple. Like people, people overcomplicate things. Um, it's a simple decision you have to make. Once you make that decision, you don't look back. You, you step forward and everything behind you crumbles. And, um, there, there's no going back. Like you make a decision and, and you go completely forward or you just stay in the room the rest of your life. Um, so from that standpoint, what, what kind of catapults you to, striving to be a great firefighter training every shift for for my guests don't know this 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 man that that's on on this podcast is one of the most motivated driven inspirational dudes that I know so what what catapults you from there to just getting after it and being the the, the savage servant that you are
1: well i think uh you know we're all a sum of the of our experiences and the people that are around us the people who have coached us and mentored us coming up and like I said, once I had that revelation, I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm not going to be like this anymore. I have to fix this. Uh, fortunately, I had always um, been so-so or better, you know, a little uh, at, um, uh, at at least keeping my physical fitness up. You know, I knew that was important. That was probably one of the things that helped keep me on sort of on the rails, you know, besides, like I said, specifically my wife. Um, But, you know, once I made that decision, I said, OK, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a better firefighter. So that means studying more that means uh, um, attending conferences that means expanding beyond this little bubble of the, my engine company that that i was on you know so i started uh, looking broader um started like again you know physical physical fitness is super important so every day there was something some type of workout going on either at home or at the station um you know started reading a lot of books uh on more than just that i like started reading books about being a, uh, a better husband about being a better father I uh, started reading a lot of books about finance and and being better and more intentional with my money, um, and like I said, just decided I'm just I'm all in. I'm going to work on all these things, and you know I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to die trying.
0: Right. Yeah, and, and, and that's the mindset you have to have. So we, we fast forward, and um, I want to talk about how you got promoted into um, an environment because your environment really tests your resolve, it tests your leadership, and it tests your patience. Um, and it, it shows who you really are, right? Everybody's a great leader or a great firefighter under the spotlight. But what happens at two in the morning when you're tired? What happens when you have a flu? Like, the, you know, when you're sick, when, you, when you're down and out, um, your true character is revealed when we are, I believe, fatigued or put in an environment that's not intended for us to thrive. So you get promoted. And I know this personal story because I know you You go to a station that's that's not as motivated as the stations you were usually a part of um mm-hmm. and let's talk about that what was your what was that shot to you of like these guys are not my guys
1: yeah so uh um yeah that was a big culture change for me so uh up to that you know like I said at that point I was trying to be more intentional so I was on our technical rescue team I was at the station uh that was uh you know was one of our two uh technical rescue stations so all the guys I was around were motivated and they were they were in the game and, you know, uh, everybody's playing hard. And, and I was like, man, this is awesome. I was watching our lieutenant uh, at the time and how what a great job he was doing. Uh, recently retired Scotty Ramage. Um, you know, he was just a phenomenal uh, leader for our crew. And uh, I was like, all right, man, you know, I mean, I think I I owe it to, to him to try and go to another station and, and be like him and bring the things that he brought to us, you know, to other stations. So I uh, promoted uh, which was crazy because the day I promoted, I was heading, I was driving north up to that station and, uh, I'm riding up there. And then I all of a sudden realized, like, I, I don't think I know enough things. I don't think I know enough stuff. I don't think I'm smart. I'm like, what did I get myself into? So I was you know, almost a little panicked on the way up there, uh, got up to the station and it was a completely different environment, way more laid back, um, good people. Like I said, I'm not, I don't mean this to sound like they're not good people and wanted to help, but just, it was a different environment. Like guys weren't doing gear workouts. Guys weren't out training every day or uh, a lot of things that I was accustomed to weren't happening up there. And so I said, Hey guys, this is, uh, this is the standard I believe in when we sat down and did expectations. This is the standard I believe in. Um, you know, and when we step outside this door, we're going to be in the proper uniform and we're going to look the part, you know, our trucks are going to be squared away. Um, you know, we're going to, uh, we're going to train, we're going to clean the station. We're going to do all these, cause it was an old station and nobody really cared about it, but I'm like, we're going to clean it. You know I mean? It's, it's our station. So we're going to work on that. And, um, it was funny because I didn't, I, I've never forced anybody to, to come work out. I've, I've never said, Hey, we're going to do a gear workout today or whatever the case may be like, yes, we train, but I, I, I've always left PT on the individual. And so I would go out and I would do gear workouts and I was the only one out there. And you know, they would stand there looking at me like I was crazy, but uh, go do the gear workouts. And then after a couple of weeks of that, there was another dude out there with me doing a gear workout. And after we did that for a couple of months, there was another dude out there doing gear workouts. And so it's just that uh, kind of lead by example, you know, just like, here's obviously you set the standard, you set the expectations right up front. Um, but then you start to realize like, if you're, leading other as you know in other aspects people will start to to follow your lead you know if you're if you're setting a good example
0: right and so you didn't hang out there for too long the the driven guys always find their way back to to their environment um Mm -hmm. but there are times when we we get put in these environments that aren't suited or reflect our mindset our our perspective on the fire service and in life and when you get put in these situations like, like he just said, uh, lead yourself, right? Show people what the expectation, what the standard is supposed to be, and th- th- they will get on board eventually. And unfortunately, they'll never be completely on board to the point that you're happy. And and that's okay. You know what I mean? I think as, as leaders, as as driven people, we it's our job to not expect them to be us, but expect them to be better because we're around them.
1: Sure. Well, and I, I tell you, it's funny too, because one of the new guys on that crew, there was a, a couple of new guys and a couple, couple more se- uh, season guys. Um, you know, be careful too, when you're, uh, um, when you're around people and what you're doing, cause you never know what, where their career is going to take them. And, uh, one of the guys that was my tailboard firefighter on that crew is now a deputy chief. He actually outranks me now. So, <laughs> so, um, and just a quick side story on that, if you don't mind. But uh, you know, I made one of the leadership mistakes at one point where I was a new lieutenant, and uh, uh, he came in and asked me a question, and and I I gave him the uh, the horrible answer of "I'm the lieutenant, that's why." You know, and that's just a terrible. I was as soon as the words exited my mouth, I wish I could have grabbed him and brought him back. You know, it was just a just a terrible answer, and uh, I actually just mentioned that to him the other day. If he remember that, he doesn't even remember it. Uh, but I, like, that was one of my regrets, you know, of saying something like that. I've, I've never said anything like that again, but, um, it was funny. Uh, Drew Rogers is his name and he, um, uh, he actually ended up being my boss in training. Uh, he was a, a deputy chief or I'm sorry, division chief. When I was, uh, coming up as a captain, uh, he took over the training department. So I worked for him for a couple of years. He's a phenomenal boss, great leader. Um, and recently he promoted to, uh, we were, we, I promoted up to uh, division chief. So we were, uh, uh, same rank, and then just recently he's promoted to deputy chief.
0: So there's there's two sides of that I want to talk about and get your perspective. What what do you think from his perspective? Like, let's say I'm a newer guy and um, a leader that I'm listening to is insecure, doesn't have good communication skills, and does come out with, "Hey, do this because I'm the officer or because I said so." Um, what do you recommend that person do? And then What's your thought process on being that leader? And like I said, working on your communi- communication skills so that your, your tribe of people, your, your 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 men and women, understand where you're coming from. But there's a time and place for everything. Like if, if there were certain calls we, we did stuff on and when you told me to do something, I wasn't like, well, why? Like I was just like, yes, sir, I did it. And then right. most of the time, if I didn't understand it, I would come back and ask you. But what's your perspective on that?
1: So from the firefighter perspective. And the reason why I regretted it when I said it uh, is because I've been on the receiving end of that before. And I realized that was just, that's just a terrible answer. Like if you can't articulate why you want somebody to do something, is it something they should really be doing? You know I mean? It's, it's kind of one of those, like you, like if you can't explain it better than that, um, then maybe it's something we need to reevaluate if that's something that's going on. So I would say to the, to the the guys out there that uh, are told just to do something, you know, Hey, I'm the Lieutenant, you know, that, I don't want to say they're a bad person, but maybe they don't have the leadership skills that they need. So I would say comply, uh, do whatever they're telling you to do. Uh, but, you know, but keep that in your back pocket when it's time for you to promote up and you to be the leader or you're in charge of the crew, like keep that in mind. Like don't, don't be the guy that says stuff like that, you know, have a, have a reason for the things you're doing. Cause we learn something from everybody we encounter, you know, and uh, sometimes it's what we're supposed to do. And sometimes it's things we shouldn't do. So, um, so from the, from the young firefighter perspective, do what they're telling you to do, but keep that in mind. Um, You know, certainly if it's an emergency thing and where there's not time to explain, uh, you know, obviously comply, but even if it's at the station, you know, comply first and then we'll, we'll have a discussion later. Um, From the, from the leader perspective, um, again, like I said, if that's your, if that's your go-to, you know, on how to get things done around the station, then, you know, maybe you need to reevaluate what you're doing, um, how you're, uh, how you're dealing with your crew, how you're handling your, your people. Cause that's just a, uh, that's just not a good way to lead, you know, with your rank, you'll get compliance, but you're just a manager at that point. You're not a leader. Right. You know, your people are going to do what they tell you to do because they respect your title. They're not going to do it because they, because they believe that you believe in the mission and that you're looking out for their best interest.
0: Yeah. There's no trust. And, and the biggest thing with leadership and I think why you have force multiplied so many people in, in your career, in your life, is there's always been that trust, right? Like people trust you, and as far as me and everybody that has worked for you, the perspective has been we don't want to let you down. Um, you know, we, we love you so much, we, we believe in you, and we trust you. So everything that we do is out of like we want to do the best for you, so that not only you look good, but we look good as a unit. And that's and
1: that's a two way. That's a two way street. If if you got a good leader, that's a two way street because I never wanted to let you guys down either. You know, like I. Right. I wanted to be the best I could possibly be for you guys, and that's so like that. That's a two way street when you've got that kind of respect and uh, um, you know, and care and concern and love for each other.
0: Right, but, but I think that's ultimately starts with you setting the expectation, like, "Hey, guys, this is what." I remember there was a certain individual we talked about him the other day. It's so crazy um, that wanted to come work for you, right? And, and you, know, this individual was overweight, was not um, somebody who had very high expectations, if any, at all. Mm-hmm. And, and um, You know, he asked you, hey, can I come work with you? You know, in, in your reply, w- w- what was your reply? I know you've removed.
1: So, so it sounds kind of mean, but uh, yeah, he's extremely overweight. And he said, uh, he said, you don't have any fat guys on your crew. Uh, I should come work for you. You don't have any fat guys in your crew. And I said, well, if you come on my crew, we still won't. Uh, Cause we're going to, we're going to correct that. And I, and I didn't mean that in a mean way. I meant it because I'm, I'm concerned about him. You know, I want him to be, healthy. I want him to be, uh, in shape. I want it, you know, because I, I don't want him to retire from this job and die of a heart attack the next year. You know, I want him to have a long healthy life and enjoy his kids and enjoy his family. You know? So, um, right. so yeah, just let him know this is the standard. This is what we're going to be doing. You know, we're going to be doing these workouts. We're going to be doing this training. We're going to be doing hard things. And, uh, he ultimately decided not to put in that transfer request.
0: And, and I want to follow up with that. That was fuck, eight years ago. Seven something, something crazy, a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, fast forward, certain individuals still struggling. So, guys, make a decision. If if you want to be surrounded by guys that are somebody you admire, want to be like, um, don't let anything stop you. I think I think being scared that you're gonna be um, exposed, and and that word is very toxic, I believe, but it's it's honest. You have to be exposed. You got to expose yourself to the reality of. What's real, right? Are you are you out of shape? Okay, cool. We've accepted you're out of shape. Are you overweight? We've accepted you're overweight. Now let's create a plan and change it. It's it's that simple. Um, I think hiding behind the well, I'll just wait until I get put in a situation where my fitness is exposed, or you know my clothes don't fit, and I, I, every year I got to get bigger bunker gear. And this is a real thing for people. Instead of that, like to me, that's so hard, right? And, and there's I want to talk about doing hard things. You got to choose your heart, guys. You can either be in control of your heart or just let life be hard and and you have no control. So I want to talk to you, Chief, about doing hard things and, and how we as a crew did so many hard things and how we got so close in such a little amount of time.
1: So I would say the number one team building thing that you can do with your crew is to do hard things. And that's, you know, hard trainings, it's uh, hard incidents, and obviously we can't produce the incidents. The 911 calls come in whenever they come in. Uh, But prepping for those, you know, doing like just over-the-top, you know, type training that just seems like this can never happen. Well, good. If we're ready for something that could never happen, then that means when the thing that does pop up, the 911 call that, that does pop up, that does happen, it'll seem easy compared to what we've been training on. So, uh, um, so I've, I've always been a big believer in that and, uh, you know, taking that mindset and applying that when I first became a Lieutenant and sort of doing these types of trainings with the crews, like I didn't realize that my previous lieutenants, my previous mentors had been building our team by going out and doing these hard trainings by doing the things we've been doing. And so then when I became a Lieutenant and we started doing it and I realized how close the team all of a sudden became how close the crews became, I was like, Oh, there's something to this. And so, then that's just been kind of the go-to since then. So, um, yeah, I mean, that is, in my opinion, that is the fastest way to build a team because that sharp that shared hardship brings everybody together quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll, If I could go back right now to any time in my life, I would go back to all of us suffering out back <laughs> right. at the uh, not so famous operations
1: up north. Um, well, that was uh, that, it. Was nice because we had operations out back, so every type of prop uh, tool piece of equipment that we could possibly want was there. So uh, we were a little spoiled with that too.
0: We were, and and it was cool. And and it still amazes me today how everybody was about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, Even the guys that would come on a crew that were new and didn't have that mindset. They adopted it quickly because we all had it, you know, and it, it goes to show you like when, when everybody is doing something, it's easier to assimilate into that environment. Then if one person's doing it, you're kind of the outlier. Um, And and I think that's why you've developed so many leaders is you've empowered people to to be the best they can be. And and I want to talk about that. Where does that come from? Was was that how you were raised up in the fire service of like, hey, I'm going to bestow this leadership on you. I'm going to to give you this responsibility so that you
1: can grow yourself. Where where does that come from? So I think... Looking back, I realized that a lot of the a lot of the guys I worked for uh, were doing that, and I didn't realize they were doing it. They were giving me a little bit more responsibility here, a little bit more there, um, tasking me with certain things around the around the station. You know, certain being proficient on this piece of equipment that wasn't really in my wheelhouse initially. Uh, so, guys have been building me up over my career that I, I didn't even realize at the time. Um, and and honestly, that's uh, you know, that's been one of those things that just once you start that cycle, once you start on that, you know you kind of stay on that. Like, okay, well, I know this thing, so now I want to work on the next thing. I want to get better at this next piece of equipment or this next procedure or whatever it is. And so you just keep working like that because you know everything in the firehouse is a competition. So the guy sitting next to you is trying to uh, trying to beat you at whatever at a, you know putting on your air pack faster or you know being better at extrication or knowing having more knowledge about the the tools or whatever the case may be. So uh, part of it's that competition, I think, is good. Um, as I got older and uh, actually I w- was watching your podcast with Tiago and he was saying about, you know, be the rescuer that would come, that could come rescue you. And, and I like that. And, um, but one of the things I've been saying for the last several years, uh, that kind of popped into my head actually pretty much since my son was born, but uh, I would tell the new recruits or, uh, the new cadets that we have or whatever, I would tell them, you know, like close your eyes and think about the person that you love most in the world. Like wh- whoever that is, your, your child, your significant other, your mom, your dad, your brother, your, a, a good friend, whatever it is, whoever that person is, if that person's in danger, trained to be the rescuer that can go get them, you know. Um, and I just think that that if you keep that mindset your whole career, like you're going to be fine. Like if you if you live up to be that rescuer that that uh, that can perform that task, then you're going to be good. And so that's just been kind of one of my driving things, just to be the rescuer that that my son would need or that my wife would need.
0: Yeah, and. It's hard. It's it's hard um, understanding what it takes to be that person. Um, what it takes to be that person is sacrifice. It's commitment. It's dedication. It's it's an all in attitude um, to to constantly strive to put yourself in situations where you are exposed to what you're capable of, and then growing from there. That's really hard in itself. Showing up every day and and, be, and choosing to be better than to remain the same is hard. Um, and and Ultimately, working on yourself is hard, right? And and I think yeah. you know, over your career, I want to talk about that, how that's important. We, we, we can't get away from the fact that, yes, being a team player is huge. Yes, being a great firefighter on scene is important. But if, if you're not dialed in mentally within yourself, you're, you're, you're not an asset. You're a liability. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about that o- over your career. How have you maneuvered? The traffic of not not losing yourself because at this career it's 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 not hard to to get away from that closing your eyes and remembering like I need to be able to rescue this person that I love so dearly
1: um, and I need to be able to be that person every day. Sure, um, which about not losing yourself. It's it's easy to get caught up on one aspect of life, like not realizing that there's more outside the fire department. You know, there's, there's other things going on in your life. And, and if you overfocus on one thing, you're not focusing enough on something else. You know, that's just the way it is. So, uh, you know, there was times in my career that I was, I was so focused on being that rescuer. You know, the, the, the one that's capable of rescuing my son, the one that's capable of rescuing my wife, that I wasn't being a good husband or a good dad because I wasn't focusing enough on that part. I was, I was overfocused on one thing. So I think balancing life is super important. Um, you know, any, you know, you know, the joke is anything that's worth doing is worth overdoing, but uh, you can, you can absolutely overdo some things. So, um, <laughs> you know, so, so I would say now I, I make it a prior, I make each uh, major part of my life a priority. You know, I make my, uh, I make family time is, you know, one of my priorities. I make uh, time for reading and uh self education and and making myself better, I make that a priority, I make physical fitness a priority, I make being a good firefighter a priority, I make being a good dad a priority, I make being a good husband a priority. You know, those uh um being a good friend, you know, I, I I all those things I work on those intentionally. So uh you know, so that if that means, you know, listen to a podcast about it or reading a book or uh you know, whatever the case may be, I, I try to be re- very intentional in each aspect of, the, of of my life, so that way I don't get too wrapped up on one thing, and I start to let other things slide.
0: Right, and I want to want to ask you, what's your definition picture perfect of a, of a firefighter? Like, a, what, what makes what makes a good fireman? Like, if someone, if, if you say that's a good fireman, what, what is that? What is your definition?
1: Man, that is uh, somebody that's a team player, somebody that is in it for more than themselves. Uh, that is somebody that is uh, physically fit, that is technically capable, um, and that doesn't mean that you know it has to be any over the top hazmat guy or over the top you know tech rescue guy or anything like that. It's just somebody that is is capable of you know forcing a door, that's capable of stretching a line, that's capable of uh, getting on air and getting their gear on in a timely manner. Um, somebody that is looking out for the for the person to their left and their right. Uh, somebody that's looking out for their their probies, the people that are below them and they're looking out for their boss that's above them. You know I mean? That to me is, uh, is the perfect firefighter. And and when I say looking out for them, I don't mean just on a call or just, uh, even at the station, I mean, in life, you know, that's trying to help them excel in their life. You know, they're trying to help that probie not only get off probation, but, um, manage their life a little bit better, you know, because we're all kind of a soup sandwich when we start, you know, it's, um, start but yeah. The corner, you know? <laughs> yeah um no you, you know is that person that's just uh that's just there like when you need them they're there for whatever it is it doesn't necessarily have to be on a fire i mean obviously that's important but they're there for you know when your kid's born they're there for when you get married they're there for when you're going through hard times they're not not just there in the good times they're there in the hard times right and to me that's a that's a good firefighter it's a well-rounded individual it's not Somebody that's, you know, cause we, we can all put a, 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 name and a face to the guy that's excellent on a fire scene, but can't get along with anybody at the station or, or their, their fam their home life is a total wreck. You know, we can, we can all picture that person or, you know, in my case, I was, was that person for a little while, but, um, you know, but that's not, to me, that's not a good firefighter. That's good at one aspect of being a firefighter. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I want to transition into something special because you're, you're an OG um and i want to talk about the uh smoke diver program with you um and and people that aspire to be smoke divers and people that um don't know what it is um whenever i bring this topic up their their ears perch up and you know i'll never disclose anything about the program because that's a disservice to the individual that wants to be challenged and the program in itself um but i will talk to individuals who are smoke divers about their experience and where they were in life and, and how that came about Fortunately for for my guest, the man that I'm talking to was a part of the pilot program. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. that, where you were in your career, and um, how much time you had to train for this program called Florida Smoke Divers.
1: Oh, man. So uh, where was I? That was in 12. So that was, I was 16 years into my career at that point. Um, How old are you? uh, I'm 47 now. So how old were you then? Oh, uh, well, that was 10 years ago. So I was 37. Okay, cool so i'm not young go ahead <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i uh, felt young at the time all right, right, right. Uh, but the uh uh you know i'd heard about the program The the program that the og uh program the o- uh, old smoke diaper program stopped right after i got hired with the department uh, it was one of those things i wanted to do back then uh, but the well, like i said the program got shut down before i had the opportunity to go to it just between getting hired going to med school you know some requirements that i had for for my job i was like well once i get these requirements out of the way then i'll go back with well, the program shut down before I got that opportunity. So I uh, didn't go to get, get to go to that program. So, you know, just, all right, well, let me get back to work here. So I was doing that. Well, then all of a sudden the opportunity presented itself. Uh, Chad Belger um, called me up one day. And if you guys don't know who he is, uh, you'll get to meet him hopefully one day because he's one of those guys like you should have somebody like this in your life. You know, he's been a, a huge inspiration for me. Um, even before the smoke diver program, he was one of those guys. Like when you're around him, like you want to be a better person, kind of deal. So, uh, I was teaching with him. Uh, he called me up one day. I was at the station. He said, uh, "Hey, I would like for you to. We're going to start the smoke diver program back up. I'd like for you to be one of the instructors." And I said, "Dude, that's awesome." I said, "But I, I didn't take the program. I wasn't part of the old program." And he says, "I know, but we're." We're, we're kind of limited on how many instructors we have from the old program. He said, so we're kind of looking for some guys with military background, this and that. And, and uh, he said, I think you'd be a good fit. I said, well, I really appreciate that. However, I just have a thing where I don't want to ever teach a class that I haven't at least been through. And he said, OK, well, you want to be in the class? I said, sure. And uh, I said, well, when, when does it start? And he said, 21 days. <laughs> I was like, OK, all right. I guess we're doing this. So, um, so yeah, so three weeks uh, I had to train. So obviously I, I, I had been, you know, physical fitness has been important to me in in my career. Um, so I'd already done a workout that morning. So, uh, we were actually backing the, the, the engine back in, the driver was backing us back in when I hung up the phone. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to go do another gear workout. And, uh, so got outside, started doing it. Um, Chad had given me some of the times that he was uh, thinking that would be, uh, times for us, uh, you know, on the run and things like that. Um, So I got out there and started doing it actually probably about two weeks of training with one week before class started. Um, I was like, man, I'm, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to (laughs) go. So, um, so kind of thought, you know, thought about it was keep doing the gear workouts. And finally I just came to the conclusion. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to go through this program and either I'm going to leave with my chip in my hand, or I'm going to leave in in an ambulance, you know, like that's, that's the only way this is going to go down. Um, so went out there, uh, did all of the all the uh, entry program and everything that we had to do? Got into class uh, like everybody else. It was a huge shock to my system because uh, you can work out, you can do hard workouts, but you, it's not the same intensity. You can't hit that same level of intensity with just you and a buddy or you and a couple buddies that you can when you're there when it's a one to one instructor to student uh, ratio. So uh, yeah, so that was a, it was a shock to my system, but it was good. I, I loved every minute of it.
0: Yeah, so. Uh, let's talk about a specific point in the program where you were doing an evolution. And I remember you telling me a story and uh, oh, yeah. you, you missed, you missed, uh, let's talk about it. Go ahead. I'll let you talk about it. So,
1: so there was a, um, there was a drill and, and like I said, I don't think there's really many secrets anymore. So I'll talk about this particular drill. There's a, uh, there's nothing in the program that's really a secret. It's kind of out there now, but, um, the drill was uh, obviously, you know, it's, this is midweek somewhere around there. We'd been, uh, we'd had a few days of the class already at this point. So everybody's already kind of starting off the day fatigued. Um, but you go through and you do the PT and, and that's one of the things a lot of people get focused on, like the, like the PT is important, but that's not the class. It's not a PT class. It's a firefighter class. The physical training that you do is to get you fatigued to go perform under fatigue. So a lot of people get kind of uh, zeroed in on the, uh, the physical Fitness part of it, and that's important. But like I said, but that's not what the class is about. But anyway, so we had done our, our morning PT. Uh, they took several of us over to um, uh, to some Connex boxes, which we had set. They had set up as a search room, and they put you in there and they say, "Hey, find uh, find everything you can find in there." Basically, so you go and you start doing your search, and you come across like a gated Y. Okay, so you go search a little bit more, and you come across an axe or whatever you know, whatever piece of equipment they have in there. It's nothing like super tiny, but it's you know. Uh, not large stuff. So searching through and about halfway through, I, um, uh, I'm sorry, I finish the search and get done with it and uh, come outside and they bring you over to the table. You get, get your bottle of water, you're drinking your bottle of water and they hand you a piece of paper and they say, draw the layout of that building and the location of everything you found. It's Like, okay. So it's, it's kind of a, kind of a memory drill. Uh, so I write out the layout of the building, write down every location, everything I found slide it across to the instructor. He looks at it. And he says, I'm sorry, you missed something. You need to go back in. I was like, there's no way. There's no way I missed something. So get my gear back on, get a fresh bottle, go back in. And uh, i crawling along. I'm doing the search. And as I'm about the midway point of the search, I sweep my hand out and found a halogen bar that I did not find in the previous time. And I remembered instantly on the first search, I was busy feeling sorry for myself. I was doing a search. Uh, my shoulders were on fire. And I, I remember just crawling for several feet without doing a proper search. I just remember crawling for it. I was just thinking, you know, just get done with this. And, uh, and I missed a 30 inch halogen bar. And man, I really started thinking about that. Like it was just driving me crazy because that, you know, a 30 inch halogen bar, that's that's the size of a toddler. Like I've just missed a toddler when I went through this. And I decided right then and there, I am never going to do a terrible search because I'm busy, busy filming sorry for myself. You know, that was my big takeaway from Smoke Divers. And so I was laser focused on everything else after that, you know, um, and not just in the class, but just in my career. I'm like, I'm not going to be a, a, a shitty fireman because I'm because I'm tired or a shitty leader because I'm tired or, you know, a, a, a shitty husband because I'm tired. Like, I'm like, I'm still going to stay focused on the things I got to stay focused on. So I'm that right. was my huge takeaway from Smoke Divers.
0: I love it. Thank you both for sharing that. Um, yeah. And what is what What is your take on on, on carrying the burden? Because um, this isn't a news flash. I think it's been. I think it's been put in a space where it's not a big deal to be a firefighter. Um, I think it's like whatever people are just like, come on, join the party, join the circus. Um, and, and guys like you and me, uh, don't take this job lightly. Don't take the profession lightly. Uh, and we do have a very high standard of what it means to be a firefighter, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So what is your take on carrying the burden that I want to talk about performing when you are tired performing when things don't go your well your way and still being that person that you're expected to be no matter the circumstance emotional state uh, or if the world's on fire it doesn't really matter
1: so what's your take on that sure well I mean it, it all it you, you have to I mean there's it's basically not an option like you, you we have to do the things that we say we're here to do you know even when you're tired you have to Respond to that structure fire. Even when you're tired, you have to respond to Mrs. Smith, you know, having abdominal pain or whatever. You know, whatever's going on. I mean, that's that's what we signed up to do. Um, but I think that's that goes back to the earlier conversation. Is that's why it's important to do hard things in training, and it's important to do uh, hard things as a team. Because even when I'm slipping a little bit, my teammate that I've been training with all this time is going to boost me up and say, you know, hey, bud, let's get going, get in gear, let's go. Um, you know, that's why it's important to have to be surrounded by a good strong team and and uh, and to do all those hard things together because it makes those times when you are tired it makes them seem not so bad. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's just you, you you're not just going to magically rise to the occasion. Now, everybody says rise to the occasion. You don't you don't rise to the occasion. You know you've heard the saying you fall back on your training and who you are in training who you are uh, at the station. You know and when when you're when you're practicing you know that's who you're going to be when it's time to perform.
0: Absolutely. What, what's your take on the short notice of going to this class? And it obviously goes to show that it was a career span of training for it. I mean, uh, you know, people say, Leo, how long did you train for this class? Well, you, you got to train for 16 years, I, I believe. I think you had advantage was <laughs> right. uh, was specific for what you were going to do. No, but when it comes to experience in gear, you, you had the experience. When it comes to physical training, you had the, the physical training, um, and when it comes to the mindset, uh, I, I think you, you also had the mindset from having those expectations your entire career. And, and I want that to be a lesson for people. Is it, it is a the class is a test? Um, people nowadays are, 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 are. I keep it simple. and People are like, "Oh, what?" I'm like, "It's just a class." <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. six-day class," and people are like, "This guy's nuts." I'm like, "You can't, you can't make this into something that it's not." You know, and I, I tell them it's hard. It's challenging, oh, yeah. um, and uh, if you don't train, you won't you won't pass. That's a given, but it's just a class. And and I think you you had a career's worth of deciding. I'm going to be the best firefighter I can be. I'm going to be the most fit person I can be, and I'm going to work on my mindset throughout doing hard things um, over 16 years to then show up for this class. I think you were in a good spot. You know, obviously, um, you know with the short notice. It was still tough. But what was your t-
1: No, Yeah, like I said, the class was was tough. There's no doubt. Uh, everybody that I was in class with and I was in class with some studs, um, you know, everybody struggled at some point. Uh, I actually remember in the class, um, again, Chad Belger was the, the lead instructor for the class. But I remember at uh, lunch one day I was I was sitting out back eating my lunch. And uh, he come walking around the corner and he said, hey, are you all right? And I said, yeah. I said, I'm, I'm sorry I'm struggling so bad on this. P- I was dead last on on PT. You know, um, Like I said, these guys were studs. Like every run, every everything we did for PT, I was last on it. Not because I wanted to be, just because I couldn't keep up with these guys. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I told him, I said, I'm sorry I'm, I'm, I'm doing so poorly on the PT. And he looked me dead in the face and he's like, this is not a, a, a physical fitness class. He's like, this is a firefighter skills class. You're doing great. And I said, okay, you know, and that was all the boost I needed to keep going, you know, which, uh, again, it's, it's good to have people in your life that, that, uh, that, that, uh, speak that life into you. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, it, it is about being a good firefighter, you know, it's about training. And that's why I think coming right out of the academy, uh, might be hard for some people to go through. I'm, I'm not saying you can't, I mean, I've seen some guys do it, but I think coming right out of the academy without some, uh, some level of experience might be tough. Um, but then again, I don't know. I didn't do it right out of the Academy. I, you know, I had 16 years on the job before I got to go.
0: Right. So I want to talk about, you got less days uh, ahead of you than you do behind you. And, um, what's your, what's your perspective on, on every day going to work and, and you you got, I mean, they just changed the, they're about to change retirement to eight years. I haven't talked to you about what the plan is, but what's, what's your perspective with knowing that like, you don't have much time left, I mean, in all honesty.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, and that's something you think about because when you start, you, you think it's never going to end. And then when you get close to the end, you kind of wish you could go back to the start and do better at it. But uh, right. um, uh, I heard the other day Bill Gustin was talking about, you know, that, that you trade your youth for experience. And he was saying that he would he would trade that experience back for some youth. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting. I've got to sit down on a couple of his classes and he's a, he's an interesting dude. I really like his, I really like his perspective on things, yes. but yeah. It's, exactly. yeah. But, um, but no, he's, he's hundred percent accurate with that. So you, you, like I said, you think you're just not going to end or, or you're never going to get close to the end. And now I'm looking at, uh, well, with it, like, if the drop extent, extends out to eight years, you know, maybe eight years or less, um, probably less. So, you know, when I started one of my goals was to leave the fire service better than I found it, you know, try and try and take what the other people that have come ahead of me, all the things that they've built up and the the great name that they've given the fire department and try and not only just maintain that, but try and try and add to it. And, um, and that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, I'm still, still focused on that goal on trying to make sure that, that the, the people around me are, um, are, better for me having being, been around, not worse, you know, I mean, because nobody wants to be the person that's dragging everybody down. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying to make sure that, that the things are a little bit better and and uh, certainly I can look at our organization, the history of our organization and see that, that things have gotten a lot better, not just because of me, but, um, right. but because a lot of the people that I'm working with and, and yeah, I can just keep focusing on and trying to hit those goals, trying to make the department better. Um, I've honestly, I've enjoyed uh, every rank that I've been at in the department of every position that I've been in, in, including the position I'm in now, I, I, I love doing it. Uh, it's different than what I, what I was doing when I started, but it's, it's still good. And it's still, uh, it's still part of the team and it's still pushing the mission forward and taking care of the citizens and doing all the things that we're supposed to do. So um, I think just push that, push that and keep trying to leave that kind of legacy for other people. Like I said, I had guys like uh, Bobby Ramage that, showed me that before he retired and um, and I've tried to push it on. I'm trying to show it to other people before I retire.
0: Right. I love it, bro. Um, so I got one more thing for you. What would you tell um, Tim Moody uh, if you could, if you could tell him one thing when he first started after your, uh, I don't even know how many years of experience you have, but you have a lot uh, after your, your years of experience at a very high level and doing it right and making a lot of mistakes and helping and forging some of the best firefighters that, that the fire service has. In Florida, I believe truly. What would you what would you tell that person?
1: I would say, be more intentional with what you're doing. Uh, don't just go floating through life. Um, be intentional at work. You know, be intentional with your career where your career is going. Be intentional in your relationships with people. Uh, be intentional as as a husband, as a father, uh, with your faith, with your finances. Be intentional in all those categories. Don't. Don't get so lopsided. Don't let yourself get as lopsided as you got, uh, kind of deal. So, uh, I think that's the number one thing I would say. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I've been honestly lucky and, uh, in some aspects and I've been in- incredibly blessed in others. you know, so, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for, for what I've had so far. And I'm still looking forward to the the years that I got left.
0: Yeah, man. I, uh, I appreciate you. And, uh, Yeah, just pay attention. Um, And as simple as that is, is is pay attention. The the little things matter. Um, Don't ever, you know, this is something that I've learned from my mistakes. Don't ever think that one thing is is less important than another. Um, If you're a part of it, it's important. If you're in front of it, it's important. Um, Everything you do is important. And if you approach life with that mindset, nothing will ever slip. Nothing will ever fall through the cracks. And anybody and everybody that you're associated with will get the best version of you because your thought process is, they're in front of me, so they are important. They are everything that needs to be in front of me right now is, and I'm going to give them everything they deserve. So, um, Chief, I, I love you, man. I appreciate
1: you. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on. And, uh, yeah, man, thank you. Hey, brother. I love you too, man. Thank you for having me on. It was, uh, it was exciting to get to talk with you again.
0: Of course.